Hello, hello. Welcome to the first episode of NF's Sports Talk on this lovely mo- Monday. Today, we are joined by Mr. Ethan. Listen to when he is speaking, Maestro. And we're going to be discussing a number of sports topics that range from the NBA to the NFL and even talk about the coronavirus. So, to start off, we had the Lakers and Clippers who played this past weekend. And it was a great game. Um, Battle of LA. It was a really close game through the entire four quarters, basically. Um, and it was the first win the Lakers got against the Clippers this season. As you expect, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James all did their thing, getting an average of 30 points each. And I think the biggest thing here from the win of these Los Angeles Lakers was the fact of how deep their rotation is. As you have guys like Avery Bradley coming in, scoring 24 points. Uh, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard getting quality minutes. Um, It really stood out from the rest of the Clippers team that was unable to keep up with these guys. The Lakers have very good perimeter defensive players in Bradley, um, Rondo, Danny Green, which is a big factor of why they were able to shut down the Clippers this Sunday. So, Ethan, I know there's a lot of talk about the Lakers versus Clippers in the playoffs. From what you've seen so far, how do you feel about the Lakers and Clippers? Who do you think is the better team here overall? I'm going to have to go to the Lakers, but I must add, in 45 minutes between the two Morris brothers, they combined for a whopping five points. Yes, they were uh, not playing the best quality of basketball, those two. No, that's for sure. With Marcus Morris shooting zero for nine, with zero from seven from three, and only converting one free throw. They did mention that during the game, how poorly he was playing. And uh, Doc Rivers decided to stick with him throughout the fourth quarter. But uh, that definitely was a big factor, having one of their big-time scorers not getting very many points at all. And I'm not sure who was on Pat Bev, but he was locked up all game as well. I think Danny, Danny Green. It was either Danny Green or Avery Bradley, um, who Bradley came in and played a really, really great game, shooting a whopping 50% from three with six made three-pointers, and overall shooting above 50% from the field. Do you do you still feel like – you think that – Lakers could take the Clippers in a seven-game series? Most definitely. Lakers will be home all seven games no matter what. And they have the <clears throat> the playoff history with Howard, obviously, Danny Green, McGee, LeBron, Rondo especially. Right. Davis will be looking at some of his first playoff games. Right. I think the biggest thing is how 
many Lakers fans are actually in L.A. as it was a Clippers home game this last Sunday, and the fans are all, I'd say at least, I'd say 80, 80% of the fans were Lakers fans at that game. And that won't change throughout the season, the rest of the season in the playoffs, I don't believe. No. You still, you think the Clippers could make it to the Western Conference Finals, or you think they are not the second-best team in that conference? I think it's going to depend on where they finish, whether they finish second, third, or fourth. Because uh, right now, as of right now, they'll have to face the Mavericks. And then they would have to face either the Jazz or Oklahoma, which are all young, super young teams looking to make a statement out there. Right. That whole the whole conference, two, three, really. and four. Yeah. Yeah, even with the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Jazz, Oklahoma's young minus Chris Who has been balling out, really. Yeah, definitely. And that's assuming really Memphis grabs the eight seed, but I think it's a I think it, that race is over now. I don't think the Pelicans can catch up. Pelicans have not been doing the greatest, actually, over the last 10 games. No, and they have uh, plus four games on hand with the Pelicans having quite the hefty schedule after the season, including the Clippers, Jazz, Spurs, Grizzlies twice, uh, the Spurs again, the 76ers, the Spurs again. We're also looking to get into that last spot. Right. I know it's a little bit off topic from the Clippers and Lakers, but when you look at Portland, how good of a team they are, and they are 11th in the conference, do you think they can make a push? Uh, Looking at their schedule, they're going to have to win. They have a lot of big away games coming up versus 76ers, Celtics, Nets, Timberwolves. So they're going to have to definitely convert on those away games to have a chance. Is Lillard back in the lineup? I didn't know he was out. Is he out? Yeah, he's been injured. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that why McCollum, I guess, is just doing his thing? Yes. Let me double check. No, Lillard is back. Lillard is back. He missed a couple games. I know some people are saying he was MVP early on in the season, but that kind of fell away. Probably due to their poor record that they've been having. That whole conference is very, very competitive. Compared to the Eastern Conference, sure. When you look at a team like the Sixers, who are 15 games back from first place, you kind of just wonder how how that happens. With the the Pacers and Heat being much higher than expected before the season, I'm sure. Right. I didn't know the Nets were in a playoff spot. Barely holding on. 29-34. I find it crazy how teams who are below 500 are actually in the playoffs. Yeah, most definitely. But uh, I guess we can just carry on to our next topic as is related to the NBA. But uh, the Bucks, they uh, 
did not have the greatest last two games. And now that Giannis is out, they are not really doing the greatest as they gave up the most points they've given up in any quarter to the Phoenix Suns, your Suns out here. Um, do you think do you think these struggles will continue with Giannis gone? Or do you think they are an all-around solid team, even without Giannis? Right now, they're playing at Denver with the score 39-24 to after the first quarter. So that's almost another 40-point first quarter that they've given up without Giannis. So it'll be interesting to see if they can come over the adversity here without their top defender, scorer, playmaker. And now they'll be looking to... That'll be their third straight. They've already lost two straight, which uh first time all season. Right. I just feel like when you look at teams like the Raptors, who are depth, deep in all of their players on their rotation, and teams like... I'd even want to see the, the Celtics have a decent bench with... Uh, with Is Marcus Smart coming off the bench, or is he starting now? It's either Smart off the bench or Jalen Brown, which are both good young players. Right. Yeah. But I feel like when you look at the Bucks and you have Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, like those are the guys without Giannis. I need to step and up I'd say for they're sure. Just, yeah. They're about average, I'd say. And then you have Giannis, <laughs> who is really just doing everything for them. Yeah. I've seen today he's averaging... 34, 14, and 8, I believe it is. And he has the highest true percentage of all time. Higher than Wilt, even. Right. He's putting up insane numbers. I saw they compared him to LeBron. And he's putting up almost the same amount of points as LeBron at 25 years old but averaging way more rebounds, but a little bit less assists, of course. Yeah. Coming in a a forward position rather than a guard. Right. So that leads us to the NBA race. Do you think Giannis will be able to take it? The MVP? The NBA MVP race. I feel like... I feel like when you have... I'd say the two top two MVP front runners right now would be LeBron and Giannis. But I feel like when you have a guy like Anthony Davis on the LA Lakers along with LeBron, it's hard to say that the Lakers' success is solely because of LeBron. Because when you have Anthony Davis, he can go out there and be the best player on the court at any night. But when you have a guy just like Giannis, and I, like I said, the Bucks lineup is not the strongest. And and that proves I feel like if anything, LeBron had a great weekend beating the Clippers and the Bucks. But if anything, having Giannis go out and them losing as badly as they did yesterday proves that Giannis should be the true MVP of the league. Yeah, because the team is obviously nowhere near that insane record they have without him. They I they might not even be a playoff team without him. They'd be it'd probably be like a seven or eight seed. That's what I mean. I feel like when you look at any other team like Washington or Charlotte or Chicago, without without Giannis, they're right in that mix of teams. Yeah. Talent wise anyway. Exactly. 
But I feel like when you look at what Giannis has done with they have 53 wins right now and they've lost two straight and some people are saying 70 wins could be a possibility for them. But now I feel like since Giannis is gone, I don't know if 70 wins is a thing for them. Yeah, and I'm not sure if uh, Giannis really cares about the regular season as much as some of the other stars, like how LeBron, he's not, it doesn't matter. He wants a championship at the end of the day. I'm sure Giannis has the right. same mentality. I feel like now that he has gone to the Eastern Conference Finals and done all the stuff he did last year, he's just there to win. Yeah, exactly. Make his case. Right. I don't know. Is They said they're going to reevaluate Giannis in a week. Could that – do you see that affecting – Like, do you think a team like Toronto could come up and take that number one spot after all these games are said and done? Coming into the the remainder of the season, I don't think Toronto will be able to catch them. They're seven and a half games behind. And uh, with Toronto, obviously, coming off the championship, they're probably going to start just getting in playoff mode. Right. Who do you who do you see as the – if you take both conferences, who do you see as the final two teams in each conference? Like who's going to meet in the finals? Of each conference, yeah. So the Eastern Conference Finals oh, matchup and the Western Conference Finals um, matchup. I'm going to say, I don't know. I have a feeling that, uh, I don't know. I want to say Milwaukee, Toronto, but I don't know. We'll see what the Celtics and Heat do. I feel like one of them could uh, sneak in there with uh, Milwaukee over Toronto. Depends. Toronto's had thing... some uh, major injuries throughout the season already including with Norman Powell right. just getting injured tonight. Right. They really have not been 100% healthy the entire season. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, when you look at a team like the Heat, they are so deep in their rotation, but they're so young at the same time that it's you don't know how they're going to perform, especially being such a newer team in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those rookies – they have like five or six that are all super good. It'll be interesting to see how they compare with uh, Jimmy Butler come playoff time. Right. I think they have such a very good lineup with Bam, Butler, and then you got the shooters. Duncan Robinson. There. I think he's a rookie, I believe. Right. And you got Nunn and Hero. Tyler yeah. Hero. Along with Derek Jones Jr., that team is just really talented. I'm not... That's what I mean. Like that's, I think uh, they might even be able to sneak somewhere in the Eastern Conference Finals if they can play well on the road. Yeah. And then you always got like, – I, I feel like the Sixers at six is just crazy to me considering how talented that team is. Yeah, because as of right now, they'll be playing the Celtics in the first round. And really, either of those teams could make it to the – Eastern Conference Final. Yeah. Well, it, it all depends. This yeah. six five four three race could be go in any order between the Sixers, Pacers, Heat, and Celtics. Yeah. 
and you look at teams like the Pacers, Celtics, and Raptors who haven't really had that many division games, and it's going to be them playing each other coming down the stretch. Yeah, where the big games count. Right. Maybe the the Celtics might even be able to grab the Raptors spot, depending on how they play on these last stretch. I mean, if the Raptors keep getting hit with injuries like they've been getting hit, it's they could slip, but that team is just so deep again. And I think the coaching staff right there they have in the Toronto is – I feel like Nick Nurse is the go-ahead front-runner for Coach of the Year. After losing, uh, obviously, a top three player in the world and still – yeah, and still being up there as uh, – the third best record in the league behind the two other obvious powerhouses. Right. I just feel like they, I feel like it go either anyway. I feel like the East is anyway, because the Bucks are so one dimensional with Giannis that it's like, if you take away Giannis, someone has to have an insane outstanding game to even have a chance. Yeah, Exactly. But I'm looking here at the Western Conference, and the Houston Rockets are sixth. But I feel like that team at any given night could could win. Even, um, yeah, the the seventh seed to the second seed is only four games, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's crazy. Especially Only four games separating the second seed and the seventh seed. And I feel like the Rockets, you have the Rockets who are very talented with Russell Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon can shoot the lights out any given night. They're a very offensive team. But you also have a team. Yes. Yeah, that like you say, that NBA teams do not like to play defense nowadays. But now that you have someone like that, those scorers, it's really hard to even play defense against those guys. Yeah, they're averaging the most points a game among uh, the top eight in the West, but they're also averaging the most against them in the top eight in the West. And they're on a four-game losing skid as of right now as well. That's the biggest thing right now. They've that been four really games, they could be in second place if they won those four. Utah is on a five-game winning streak going into playing Toronto tonight. Right. I didn't. I really looked at the Oklahoma City record, and I was shocked that they are 40-24. and 24. Yep, and everyone thought the Clippers were going to be absolutely insane, but... OKC has an absurd amount of draft picks. Oh, it's not even close. How many draft they picks? Nine they first round picks over the next five years, or something like that. With with Shaq right. Alexander, super young Canadian, CP three. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder off the bench. Steven Adams, I think underrated center. He does everything well. I feel like what Oklahoma City did yesterday without Shea Gilgis Alexander was 
in beating the Celtics by one point yesterday and how they did it was just incredible to see how well that team is built together. Yeah, it shows no matter what they can they're still here to compete. Right. Move into the NFL. Um I just wanted to on to look at uh Oklahoma's also eight and two in their last ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole Western Conference is just very, very competitive. Do you have a favorite to win the fin- the championship? Probably gonna have to go with uh, King James and the Lakers just uh, just to top off his career and everything he's done. I think he deserves one more after everything he's done, and then I don't know if that'll either influence AD to stay or leave. I'm not sure if it would help him stay, try to win another one, or leave because he's already won that one and go get paid somewhere. It'll be interesting this off season. Right. Is he able to get more money from the Lakers than no, any other team? I don't believe so because he left the Pelicans. Like how right. with Kawhi moving to Toronto, he lost I seen he lost something like thirty million and then he lost like another twenty five to thirty million leaving the Raptors. Yeah, he did lose a lot of money in deciding to go home. I know yeah. that, that was a big thing. I just feel like, I don't know, it'd be weird because if Anthony Davis signs a max contract, that's four years from now, and LeBron only has two years left, right? Yep. So LeBron could potentially be leaving Los Angeles in two years, and then AD would still be there. And in two years, I see right here, Paul George and Kawhi both have player options, and that's valued at $37 million each. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, Nick, that's next year. That's $37 million each between the two. Yeah. And I still think LeBron wants to play with this kid wherever he goes. I think that's still going to happen. Yeah, I do too. Whether, um, yeah, who knows in the the next three or four years, who knows what teams could be where. I don't... It could be OKC. You never know from all those draft picks. Yeah, it definitely could. It would help bring in, obviously, tons and tons and tons of sales. No matter what franchise gets him, they're... uh, the revenue is going up along with LaMelo Ball this oh, off season. Yeah. Right. Is he can he be a lottery pick or I saw something about him being signed to the G League of the Rockets. Um no, that's Leandro Ball to Oklahoma. That's the middle brother. He just oh, signed it? his contract to the G League. Yeah. He was a practice player before, but now he's actually on the roster. So all three Ball brothers will be in the NBA system as of next year. It'll be interesting to see wow. if they ever pair up throughout their career. 
So do you think LaMelo could be a lottery pick? Is, is that what he's I think coming he's top in three at? right now. Well, yeah, definitely yeah. with all the hype. Like and a you look. Com- or not a company, but a franchise like the Knicks. Obviously, it would fit in the big market. I feel like... I feel like if the Suns could get the first, like the first pick somehow in the lottery, a Lamelo Ball type player would go perfectly with the Suns. Yeah, you never know with the lottery. With the uh, a couple of years back when Kyrie Irving was a draft pick, the Cleveland had a, I think they had something like a one point two percent chance of getting the first overall pick, and they got him. They got the first pick and picked Kyrie. Which Everything completely changed, and then LeBron NBA ended up coming back. So it's very interesting. You never know. It'll be interesting to see the how the lottery pans out. Whether these teams not doing so well, like Golden State, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Pistons. We'll see where they uh, if they can turn their franchise around in the next couple of years. I think something to really note out is the Golden State Warriors have a ton of draft picks and they're getting Steph Curry and a healthy clay back along with Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. That team could be competing just as well as they've done any other year next that year. That is very true. I wonder if they plan on keeping Wiggins long term. That'll be interesting. I'm not sure if they've said anything about it or whatnot yet. Cause, right. I think Wiggins has the potential to be their one of their best. Because I know he is on a max contract as well, or are very high up there. Is he is he under terms now with the Warriors for a long I, term? I believe when he got traded, he still has like three years left on his, and he's making a lot. I think like north of twenty five million yeah. a year, and then did they did they just sign Clay back last year, and or is he a free agent this year? Yeah, they signed him back four years. Yeah, max. so in the next couple of years, they're going to have uh, – they might run into some cap trouble. But then they just cashed out. I feel like they won that trade with D'Angelo Russell because they got – what did they get, two picks and Andrew? Uh, yeah, I believe it was one guaranteed and one, uh, one of those if they make it so far in the playoffs or – if he scores one, a certain amount of points, whatever, they get another pick. Like a, a conventional first-round pick or something. Right. I I saw the Warriors assigning D'Angelo Russell as a weird move considering they already have two solid guards. So when, I, when they saw they traded to get a forward like Andrew Wiggins, I thought that was a very yeah, good definitely. move for them. Gonna be. I just feel like every team, like every team in the NBA, is got potential. It just depends on yep, how much. Depends on how right. bad the the owners and the coach and the players. I think in the NBA, especially nowadays, any team can go out and beat any team on any given night. Like the Hawks, like they're obviously a much better. Their nineteen win record. Right. So we'll see how they do next year. Yeah, like if they get a lottery pick, 
they sign some big time player. I don't know if they need Lamelo as they got Trey, but they definitely could. They just got Clint Capella, and they have John Collins and that Kevin Hurtier shooter, surf shooter. They're a very young team. I feel like that has a lot Most of potential moving forward. All right, um, we're gonna take a quick little intermission here, and then we're gonna switch over and talk about some NFL free agency topics moving into the draft and uh, some rumors in the NFL. All right, and we're back on a different topic now. Uh, We're transitioning over to the NFL. Um, A big move today happened in the NFL um, to one of the better defenses in the league with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They signed Josh Norman to a one-year $8 million deal, which is a – I'd say it's a good signing, but it's also a signing that could not pay out depending on his level of play – up in Buffalo um, at at Josh Norman's age and his level of playing over the last few years how do you see this signing for the Buffalo Bills um, it could be a very hit or miss he uh, he shows a lot of signs of when he was younger throughout seasons and then just completely falls off so with this being just a one year deal I think it could be uh it could be very good. The Bills have one of the top five most salary going into this year. Hopefully they can add to their offense rather than their defense. But I think it'll go well. He'll be able to definitely mentor Jadavius White, who was named first-team All-Pro and Pro Bowler last season, while tying the league in interceptions. They They really do have a great secondary down there in Buffalo with White – you got Poyer and, of course, Micah Hyde. And I feel like adding someone, adding someone like Josh Norman to that, who obviously has the experience, um, but at the same time has upside on his ability to play games uh, and, and make plays for the team. I feel like the biggest thing here is that he's going to be playing the number two spot, not having to go up against the, the best receiver every every single night because I feel like Tredavious White would have that spot. Um, so it gives Norman a lot of opportunity to do his thing against the second-best receiver on the team. Yeah, definitely. And they also have that super young Tredavion Edwards, the middle linebacker, who's also a very good yes, player very back good. there. Right. And uh, with Josh Norman coming in, he might even – might even be the number three with uh, Levi Wallace, another super young 24-year-old cornerback who's definitely on the rise. You think they could have Norman playing slot? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Is he fast? I, th- I don't know if the speed is a thing other than the ability to make tackles in the open field and, and do it well. He had 40 tackles last year, and 33 of them were solo tackles. Yeah. Which so is, they, for a corner. They might put Levi Wallace in that slot spot. With, he had 76 tackles with 66 being solo. Right. 
Oh, yeah, right here. Josh Norman. He had, yeah, 33 tackles last year. Which would actually... That would rank fourth on their cornerback list. In the NFL? No, just on the Buffalo Bills. Oh. Yeah, so stats-wise, by tackles, he would be fourth. But oh, and the whole team. Yeah, just on the just on the team. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have. Uh, they also have a named Taron Johnson, who's twenty three, Levi Wallace, who's only twenty four, and then Tre'Davious White, who's only twenty five. So that's three super young guys. So I, I do believe Norman will be able to definitely help mentor those guys, seeing as he's thirty two. He's got quite a few more years in the league than the others do. Right, I think that's the biggest thing, the experience that Norman brings and his level of physicality to to make the play in the open field is something that he really does add to the Bills secondary. Most definitely. Um, another big, I guess, move in the NFL today was uh, to hear Whitehead being released from your uh, Oakland Vegas, Vegas Raiders, I guess. Um, so far, John Gruden's come in there and he hasn't won a lot of games, but he's sure shaped the team into something, uh, different. Do you, do you trust in Gruden and what he's doing down there in, uh, Las Vegas? Um, I think he has this off season really to get his act together considering he's traded away, uh, a top, I'd say top five wide receiver in the league. Obviously, top three defensive player in the league, and then has some pretty wonky draft picks. So, well, we'll see if he has some master plan up his sleeve. But as of right now, I don't know if he's made the team any better. But they are up there after releasing Whitehead. They are coming into this offseason with $60 million in cap. You do get the extra cap space in releasing Whitehead, but at the same time, I feel like he could have been arguably one of their best, if not their best, defensive player after the Mac trade. Been the most consistent player that they've had on defense. And is he's really he's recorded two hundred and thirty four tackles over the last two years with the Raiders. Yep, so uh Gruden's, Gruden's got to have something up his sleeve for releasing such a... He's, he's young as well. Right. <clears throat> it says here that Pro Football Focus graded him just behind Anthony Barr, Tremaine Edmonds, and Leighton Vander Esch. All big-name, fast, athletic linebackers. Definitely top-of-the-line linebackers that you would want on your team. I just feel like the – do you think the Raiders need a quarterback to win? Or do you think they can get it done with Carr? They'll definitely need to get them some weapons on the outside. They can't – the last two years, their tight end has led them in receptions, yards, yards after the catch, everything. So with this being a very, very stacked wide receiver draft class, judging by their college performance, I think uh, – 
this would definitely be the year to find a nice receiver to help Carr get that. If if they keep Carr, we'll see. We'll right free agency and into the draft, and we'll see uh, what their plan is with Carr as well. Right, and I think, well, the fans and the media like to take away from Carr and his ability, but um, he's not really given much to work with here on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, just uh, tight ends year in and year out for some reason. It seems like that's the biggest weapon for him is tight end, and on the receiving end, there isn't really much there on the outside of the ball. Definitely. They have definitely up, up the run game, though, throughout the years. That line is that line is top tier, and Josh Jacobs was one of the best running backs in the league last year. So, yeah, that was a great sign. For, that was a great draft pick for them. Um, I have here that it was reported today that Des- Dak Prescott was offered the richest contract in NFL history. Do you think that he has shown enough to be considered the highest paid player in NFL history? Well, it's, it's hard to tell coming in with such a amazing offensive line. Good receivers, good running back. It's hard to know if you could just toss any quarterback in there and see what they could do. But uh, I think I would definitely have him on my team. He's athletic, young, smart. Seems like he's very good in the locker room. Never heard any complaints about him. Quiet kid. Right. I feel like he definitely does have the right attitude. But at the same time, the richest contract in NFL history... That's a big, that's a big contract to sign for. Yeah, for him. yeah, most definitely. But every year, every single off season, there's someone who becomes the new highest paid. So I'm sure next year we'll be seeing another quarterback getting the highest paid contract. Right, and I honestly feel like Mahomes is waiting for Dak to sign, just to. Up one up him and become the next highest paid player in the NFL ever. Exactly like how Derrick Henry is doing this season, saying Ezekiel Elliott's contract is the minimum he'll take. Right. I yeah, but like I I did mention a few days ago, if you're Dak Prescott, do you take less money to sign Amari Cooper, or do you do you cash in now while you can? Um, uh, I guess it's uh, do so. Do they not have the cap for both? I think they do have the cap for both, but that would really restrict them in any other position. As you're signing, I I think Amari could sign a a very lucrative contract as well, because he's been producing over the last few years in top tier company. Yeah, especially after last season, how he wasn't doing anything in Oakland. Or before he was traded, he wasn't doing anything in Oakland, not catching passes, nothing. And then he goes to he goes to Dallas where he seems to be happy and he says he wants to be a cowboy for life. And that's definitely someone you want on your team. Oh, it's hard to say if he should take the cut or not. I mean, he was 
a super late draft pick. So I believe his rookie contract is only five, six hundred thousand a year compared to players like Andy Dalton getting paid twenty million a year. Right, and I think I'm just looking at it now. He's twenty five years old, Amari Cooper. Yeah, that's still young. And he's been in the league five years and made four Pro Bowls. Five seasons, anyway. And he's made four Pro Bowls out of those five seasons. And that's someone you definitely want on your team. In five seasons, he's averaging 1,000 a, a yards a season. Uh, about eight touchdowns a season. Seven touchdowns a season, I guess. And that's at a receiver position, and he's not the biggest or the fastest, but he, he does get it done. And he'll definitely drag the number one corner off of Everywhere everyone else along with probably safeties watching him back there as well. Right. But then again, you have Prescott, who, like I mentioned, Prescott and Mari go hand-in-hand hand together, so they kind of make each other great. So I feel like if you can get both of them, if you're the Dallas Cowboys – you're really winning at the end of the day. Yeah, and then and they have Zeke long-term as well. They have Zeke, and if they can get that. I, I feel like Dak's staying. It just depends on how much he's staying for. Yeah, I think no matter what, they're going to get – at the end of the day, they're going to have both of those guys. I think Jerry will – he will pay the money that needs to be paid. Right. Um. Uh, I think the another thing to look at here is uh, is the line though, right? The line is getting a bit older. I know they're uh, still doing great, but uh, if you sign these guys, Dak, Amari, Zeke to high contracts, you're you're kind of in risk of letting one of these linemen walk in a few years. Do you? What do you think about the line? Well, with the line, I know they don't have uh, – I know they lost quite a few picks with the Oakland trade. So, I don't know. I feel like a lineman, unless he's a crazy standout lineman, like you can find some in like the later rounds and then you can develop them behind those those good, good guys that are getting a little bit older now. Right. Yes, yeah, especially with you have – Travis Frederick, who is dealing with health issues sometimes here and there. And then you have Tyron Smith, who is a really big tackle, but he can be susceptible to injuries along his way. Um, I feel like they could definitely use some depth at the line position, especially having Zeke there for, I don't know how long they signed him for, but um, it definitely was long-term. Um, so the NFL draft is about a month and a half away. Do you, do you see Joe Burrows going number one still? Um, honestly, I don't, I don't think there's anything that will be able to change that unless he has a very poor pro day and Tua has a great one. But even then, I'm not sure if 
I'm not sure what the Bengals' stance is on Tua with all his – he's had some pretty serious injuries, and that's just in the collegiate level. So it'll be interesting to see if those carry over to the, the NFL. Right. So I, I, I do think like, he will still be number one no matter what. Unless – yeah, I can't really see their reason why he's not. Right, I think I think one of the shocking – shocking thing is coming out of the draft is how high Tua is valued. Like you said, at his, after all of his injuries and he's, he's coming off an injury that was serious right now. And they still have him valued so high uh, in the draft after being uh, seriously injured is just uh, something like I would take, like, I don't know. You look at, you look at quarterbacks who've had an outstanding draft, um, like Justin Herbert and uh, the Love guy, Jordan Love. Yeah, do you, Jordan Love? Do you possibly consider? Like I know any anyone can make a mock draft, but if you're an NFL team, do you do you look at guys who actually did the combine and are healthy over guys who are? Like Tua, who did not participate, and there's not much on them. Mm, I don't. I can't see Tua not being the second quarterback picked. Probably he'll probably be in the top five still. So, no, I can't see any of the other ones. Just showing like how much he did at Alabama, coming in, winning the national at such a young age, and he showed it over more than just one year. Unlike Burrow, Burrow's been the He's been to, I believe, two or three different NCAA teams, and this is uh, the first year he's really done anything. So I, I still think no matter what, Tua will be the Sherlock number two. But as of number three for Herbert and Love, I I think it's just going to go on team preference if they want a more agile quarterback who can get out of the pocket. They'll probably be taking love, but if they want like a nice deep threat, big arm, Jordan uh Justin Herbert will be the way to go. Yeah. I personally I did not hear who Justin Herbert was before the combine. But when I saw him throw and how tall and how he, he ran four five, four five speed. And having someone that athletic to not big, I feel like it's just a recipe for success for anyone who drafts him. As long as there's a, a decent O line in front of him, he'll he'll probably be able to get the job done. I think uh, Herbert and Tua will have a better NFL career than Joe Burrow will. Yeah, really. I mean, it just I guess all depends of. So the Bengals <clears throat> can't expect him to come in, Joe Burrow to come in there and. And throw it himself, you know what I mean? Like they gotta have a healthy AJ Green and a line. Like I, I couldn't name a single player on their offensive line. No, and oh uh, uh, yeah, I guess I don't. It all depends, and I guess on the defensive side too, because Andy Dalton's always put the numbers up. They just they just don't win games. He's always been up there in passing yards, but they can't win games. Right. And another thing, how we're talking about the draft, um, we didn't even mention Jalen Hurts, who I think is one of the 
he has the talent to be one of the better quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback coming out of this draft. I definitely think he has the the mentality after seeing after his uh, games at Oklahoma. So he would be on the field for an hour or two after still throwing, even after they just blew a team out by 50. And then he'll be in the weight room after they just blew a team out by 50 for another two hours, still in uniform while everyone else is leaving. He's still there working. Because I think he definitely has a chip on the shoulder after being pulled from the Alabama game for, uh, for Tua. Right. That I guess that's the biggest thing here. Like, you can take as much talent as you want, but if you don't have the work ethic to develop that talent and become better, you're not you're not doing anything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he. Some NFL analysts have him late first round. Some have him late third round. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls. But uh, if I was a team, I would definitely want him. Even put him back up for a year, like Patrick Mahomes did. And look how he's came out. Oh, for sure. I feel like this draft is so offensively <coughs> looked at that there's going to be some really good defensive players being overlooked and slipping down to the later rounds. Yeah, minus the the one corner. In the that super fast linebacker, Isaiah yeah, Simmons, yeah, uh, it's definitely a very offensive draft with uh, the outstanding wide receiver class. The that's not even getting started on the running backs, right? The, I feel like the running backs are being yeah, overlooked as well. About four that in any other draft or teams needed them, they could definitely be first round picks with. Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins, Georgia producing another top-tier running back. There's lots. Wisconsin has Jonathan, Jonathan Simmons, I believe, or Jonathan Stewart, maybe. I'm not sure, but he, uh, yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor maybe. Yeah, uh, I know he had a phenomenal year. Right, I saw him on the All Combine team. From the from the class this this year, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure there's going to be a million new versions of mock drafts that come out in the next month. Yeah, and a half. definitely. After each team has their pro days, which I believe are set for before the draft. Yeah, those would be another great look at. The future talent. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, we're going to take our last little break here, a little intermission, and then we're going to get back onto the uh, shocking topic that came out today and that's continued to come out um, over the last few weeks, and that's the coronavirus really impacting sporting events all across the world now, I guess you could say. But, uh, We'll be back in a minute. And we are back. Um, shifting from the NBA to the NFL. And now we are on, I guess, a 
illness that has really impacted the world drastically, not only in physical health, but also in entertainment and now in the sports world, as it's really starting to have an impact on uh, events that are happening in the sports world. Uh, I'm pretty sure this started all in Italy, uh, canceling soccer matches. Um, I'm not too too uh, familiar on this topic, so if I say something, um, please correct me, Ethan. But uh, I believe they did stop canceling, or they started to cancel soccer matches. And I know the not the other big not the matches themselves, but they're playing in empty stadiums. Oh, are they? Yeah, so they're just playing games with just each team and the coaches and the refs. There's no fans in any of the stadiums. There's uh, videos surfacing of Ronaldo walking through the tunnel, handshaking imaginary people <laughs> because there is no one at the game. It's there empty. So Ronaldo played at the game when there was just no fans. It was just empty. It was just the two teams playing like uh, just like a normal game, but with zero people in the stadium. Wow. And I know the NBA has brought up this idea of doing the exact same thing. And uh, LeBron James came out about that the other day saying he's not playing with no fans. Which is, I just find, I just have, like, I don't know if it's at the point where you need to cancel sporting events for fans to come and watch if it's like it's not that bad yet, I don't feel like, but it's definitely taking precautionary actions at this point. Yeah, most definitely. But I guess the thing that they would have to use at their own risks is the child and elderly, which I heard are like ninety five percent of people who are dying because their immune systems can't fight it off regularly without getting treatment and whatnot. So it's just eating their immune system. So I guess sporting events does have ages from a couple of years old up until, you know, 60, 70, 80-year-old people. Right. And I, Yeah, I, I guess they're trying to eliminate as much contact with people, athletes, fans as, much as possible. Before it even happens, yeah. Yeah. But uh, they did restrict media access to locker rooms now in the NBA and and the MLB. Um, I, I feel like I think that's a good idea. But at the same time, like I said, it's definitely precautionary uh, at this point. Yeah, for sure. Just better be safe than sorry. I guess with the media and stuff, that's all right. But with the no fans, like playing a basketball game, it's going to be like how they do in their pickup summer games. There's not going to be any, you're going to be able to hear the own ball echo in the arena. Right. And actually, I'm just reading now that um, all all leagues have canceled media access to uh, yep. NHL, to MLS. Right. I feel like this this step is for the athletes, for them not to get sick, I feel like. But at, but having the stadiums empty, I feel like that's fans, staff, athletes, everything. 
Yeah, definitely. They're they're trying to take precaution just in case. Obviously, if uh, a top athlete gets sick or for whatever reason, they're obviously losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're right, and then losing out like on ev- everything in general. Like if LeBron's sick, you know, it's a, an extra game he didn't get to play in his career, and we know he's all for the people. He wouldn't be able to, you know, get the fans what they wanted, what they paid for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just wouldn't it wouldn't look good on the league either. I mean, I I guess I respect the leagues for doing this because. This is a really large amount of revenue if they did take fans away from the games. That's a large amount of revenue being lost in in ticket sales and concessions and all that. And it would definitely be interesting to see how the ratings are on TV to see right. if they're up to make up for all those tickets that they weren't able to sell or... Who knows if it yeah. would stay the same, go up, go down. Who knows? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's just been, the coronavirus really has been hitting all all the world, I guess. Well, I know um, uh, as soon as it happened, I know China canceled their uh, <clears throat> their remainder of their basketball season with. Uh, Lance Stevenson and Jeremy Lin being some notable names over there. They've put a a halt to their season. Right. It says here all sport in Italy suspended because of outbreak. Is that is that now there's no playing, there's no attending, there's nothing? Uh I believe it, as of right now it's only the media. Which, in a sense, it's probably, you know, less stress on the athletes as well, not having to deal with mm-hmm. some of their silly questions. That's that's what I was thinking as as a little break, almost. get in, get out. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't hate the idea because I sometimes feel like uh, I just feel like locker rooms get a little bit too crowded after games anyway having six, seven, eight reporters in front of every player on the team. Yeah. It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's not not usually in the NBA, I don't believe, where they're in the locker room as much as I know the NHL, they're right in the locker room. They're right out front oh, of yeah. the locker room. NBA, they usually generally are up on a podium, but definitely for the NHL to put a halt to it for now is probably – the better move. Right. And I, well, I give, I give the, I guess the, the big four leagues credit because it hasn't been the biggest, the coronavirus hasn't been the biggest thing in the United States and in North America. Um, in Europe, it's definitely been a big thing and I could definitely see why they're canceling sports events over there. But, at this point in time, the United States has not been overly infected by it. No, I just read they've had 26, well, not only 26 deaths, but they've had 26 deaths since it's become a thing compared to the 3,000 or whatever that has happened overseas. 
But yeah, I could just. But I just read a thing where it says that twenty six. That twenty six might start to, uh, you know, it could double, triple, very quickly. But it'll be interesting to see. And, uh, like airports, like I know teams travel in and out of airports probably almost daily. Right. So uh, I'm curious to see if they're doing anything. I haven't read anything, but I'm wondering if they're doing anything different for that. Because obviously, yeah, teams are in and out of airports daily, traveling to away games, coming back home. Yeah, like you said, you're curious. I'm I'm curious how far they are actually willing to go in case, say, this did spread to more in North America. I'm wondering if they really would consider playing games with no fans or, or even stopping games altogether. Yeah, and like with the March Madness college basketball tournament obviously coming up, there's been some smaller schools who are obviously not in contention for it. They've actually canceled their last three or four games of the season due to not wanting to risk any students getting sick and whatnot, which is very interesting because college sports does bring in a lot of Revenue and viewership and whatnot. Oh, especially especially March Madness. Yeah, yeah, that is. I'm I'm interested to see if anything happens with the structure of the tournament because of this. Yes, because I know I'm pretty sure each round of the tournament is played in a different city. So I'll be curious to see if they change that or they still have teams flying from city to city and whatnot. Yeah, it's definitely become a it's become a big deal, but at the same time I feel like uh it's not as it's it's a it's a problem, but it's not like this killer disease that if everyone gets it they're gonna they suffer from this disease like yeah. Um, it's great the NBA and the NFL and MLB and all that NHL are taking these actions, but uh, definitely. Yeah, I wonder like uh, where we'll be at in this virus come starting at the NFL season. Right, like if it's if it's a bigger thing now, or if it's just like oh here's here's this medicine and you're fine to go. Definitely be interesting to see if it carries over to the start of the NFL season and see what they do. That that could yeah, because if they can, if it goes to the point where they're having no fans play, I know attendance at NFL games is ridiculous. Even even college, uh, college football, the attendance there at those games are. Ridiculous amount of numbers, and uh, yeah, I if they somehow I seen a thing today that Tennessee versus uh, Virginia Tech this season in NCAA football had uh, one hundred and fifty six thousand fans at yeah, the game. Just that one game. That's bigger. That's, that's bigger ridiculous. than cities. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. And obviously, like, uh, you're going to be interacting with tens of thousands of people. Who will also oh, yeah. be bumping because you're gonna be very close, obviously, with that many people there. So, and right. like, uh, yeah, with international students, you know, flying home back, 
we'll uh, we'll definitely be curious to see uh, where it stands come this time next year. Yeah, it's definitely something that the first steps are being taken, and hopefully it doesn't get it too far as there needs to be more steps um, to go further. But it's something definitely interesting to watch to see how it progresses in the in the sports world. Yeah, day by day, there's more media coming out about it, so we'll track that as time goes on. Right. Well, that is going to wrap up the first episode of uh, NF Sports Talk uh, with myself and Ethan Maestro. Um, there's a lot of, lot of stuff we talked about here, um, ranging from the NBA, NFL, some of the media restrictions that are coming into effect today, but uh, definitely more to come. 